Hey, Melissa. Oh, hey, Kurt. Let's talk. How are you? We've been chatting on the mic for like five minutes already. <laughs> oh, behind the scenes. Um, we are we are on the mic. We can hear yep. each other. We can also see each other. Which I know. Is new. It's so exciting. We are using technology to our advantage um, and it's working really well. Like yeah. for our, like your mouth moving and me hearing you are synced up. Yeah. Welcome to so, FaceTime, Kurt, and your new iPhone. Um, thank you, I guess. I'm still, you know, how I've, I've been giving you the updates on how I feel about my new iPhone. Yep, yep, yep. Some things I really enjoy. Some things, specifically the autocorrect, I yeah. do not. It gets it gets more intuitive with time. Otherwise, you can also go in and edit it yourself. Okay, well, I might have to work on that because... <laughs> It's not, it's not good right now. It's not good. Well, I'm sorry. So I'm also, I'm really enjoying like being able to see my backdrop. I know your backdrop is like my bookshelf and like equipment and stuff. And mine is, um, some blinds and our Christmas lights that stay up all year round. Cause I, today I decided to leave my bed for the recording, um, because I just, wanted to be on the first floor of my house because it's warmer um also i just baked a chocolate cake before we got on mic so my first floor smells really nice um so yeah i'm just sitting on the floor in my living room i'm basically just gonna find a different place to record every week okay and just like take you on a tour of my house even though you've been here. I'm not, yeah i'm not opposed to that um i'm really looking forward to the bathroom episodes Ooh, i mean yeah uh. the bathroom is very remember my bathroom is very warm because our, our first floor True. powder room is very small so i'll just go in there and sit on the toilet and set this mic up on our tiny sink <laughs> maybe not well, no okay. it definitely won't balance um but. how was how was your week did anything fun or exciting happen uh no i don't think so i'm trying to like recollect if i've done literally anything i mean i've been alone for a while now both my roommates are gone so i've just been in my house quietly by myself um i watched a lot of uh tidying up with marie kondo uh i thought this morning i would like wake up and want to like go through all my stuff but then i remembered that i hadn't shoveled completely last night so i had to go out and shovel this morning and then that took all energy to like you know tidy up and fix my life so have i, I told you have i told you before that um in ashwabanon they shovel the walks for us <sighs> have you bragged about that to me twice now in 24 hours yes yes you have oh, oh okay. i just wanted to make sure i mentioned well, that and the, the worst part is is that we we own a snowblower but like I don't know how to operate a snowblower and I'm sure that I could call my father who would happily show me how to operate the snowblower. But I feel like in the time that it would take me to get my dad to teach me how to use the snowblower, I could have just shoveled. So I just shoveled. Plus I was out there at like nine o'clock this morning. So it was nice and quiet and there wasn't anyone to judge me. So that, that is an impressive amount of logic on your end. Thank you. Thank you. I worked smarter, not harder. Amen. None of that. <laughs> what did you do with your week? Um, I have been just trying to catch up from being out of the country and finishing books. And one book I finished, I got corrections and that's already done and out. And I'm working on my first nonfiction book, which is mm. as fun as it sounds. <laughs> so what is it about? Um, it's called Successful Leaders Aren't Bullies. And it's just all about bullying and workplace environments. <laughs> So it's a self-help professional development type. Like it's not a manual, but it's like one step shy of being like a a manual. So um, what I do like about nonfiction is it goes a lot faster. Well, that's like when, good. Like when I don't have to like stop to redo character voices or like remember what people sound like in my head or like have to um, like really emote as a a character like... It goes pretty quickly. I don't want to make it sound like there's no emoting in nonfiction because yeah. you, you do have to sound like you care. But it's it's been a really interesting experience. And it is. Yeah, it's, it it goes by faster. I'm getting more pages done each day than I do with fiction. So nice. learning experience. I'm I am enjoying parts of it and other parts of it are like, hui. all those things that I said take more time are also things that I enjoy. So I'm I miss them. But also. This ain't bad. And somebody else, somebody else is is like they're paying me to do the narration and somebody else is going to do all the editing. So which is like the best deal. I am so on board. Every time I get a little bit frustrated with it, I'm like, just remember, at the end of this, all you're going to do 
is send it to someone else. Mm-hmm. And then it's their problem. And then your life so, is beautiful. Yeah, I love that part. So that's really all I've been doing is just a lot of work, a lot of time in the booth. So yeah. Yeah. John and I had date night last night. So did you get the ravioli, by the way? We did not go to that restaurant. <gasps> oh. <laughs> Needed a reservation. Oh. So we wound up somewhere else. And you know what? I had watched earlier in the day a Bon Appetit video of Carla making a smash burger. And so I was just really craving a burger. And so That's we just fair. went to a burger place and I had a really good burger. Nice. And I was and I was satisfied. And I had a brioche bun and everything, just like the one she Ooh. made on the Bon Appetit YouTube channel. If have I we talked about Carla. the Bon Appetit YouTube channel on the podcast? I feel like we before? I know. I feel like this is a thing that happens like in our ridiculous long break. Kurt and I are now very into the Bon Appetit YouTube channel. It all started because I got Kurt into the um Bon Appetit Gourmet makes videos with like everyone's like it's very viral now so a lot of people are watching it which like is it's fine like <laughs> i don't we're, i don't want to like i don't want to say that like we were like grace. early adopters but like i've i've been watching for a while um because i first i don't even remember what the first one that i watched was um because i am who i am but um Yeah, I think it was probably Skittles, but her name is Claire and she makes gourmet stuff. And then once you start watching those, then you also will like you'll get into Brad because he like inserts Mm -hmm. himself in there. And then you start watching Claire's or not Claire's. Um, After that, you start watching Carla and then you just like you just you just like to watch nice people make food. And they're very like they work for Bon Appetit, which seems like a very um, unapproachable brand. But so they're just it's very not. real people. It's really like the working man's cooking magazine. Truly. Yeah. But, but they, they uh, do yeah, make, they make fancy stuff, but they're like, don't be intimidated by this fancy thing. It only has six ingredients and 72 steps. Yeah. So and it's like, oh, deal. okay. Like your, your idea of simple is different than mine. Um, <laughs> if we were to suggest to our listeners what episode of Gourmet Makes they should start with, what would you say is the best episode? Oreo. Really? Yes. 100%. Okay. Start with the Oreo. Okay. okay. See, I really like Cheetos. I feel like Cheetos is a that good That was intro. a super passive aggressive list of okays. <laughs> well, that's, maybe that's because maybe it's like with Doctor Who where your doctor is like your first doctor is your favorite doctor. And so because Oreo is like one of your first Bon Appetit video, like that's like your favorite. But I feel like I feel like Cheetos really like takes you how intense into the process she gets like how like exact she's attempting to be for me though it was too angsty the cheeto episode was too angst there was too much too like what i love about oreo is uh there was some trial and error but she was really excited by the success she was having so it was a lot of fun to watch um also how's everybody enjoying this episode of a podcast about forensics so far (laughs) Yeah, especially people who we were just talking. Okay, let's transition into this weekend because I got we got to meet I got to meet Lori, who is the new coach at Oshkosh North. And she came up to me and was like, hey, I heard you have a podcast. So I got to talk to her about the podcast. So hopefully um, she's listening. And I did warn her. I was like, the episodes start with Kurt and I just like chatting at each other. So, you know, now that we've recommended to you all to go watch uh, some Bon Appetit videos. um, Now you can also hear us talk about forensics. So we got to be at Oshkosh North together this weekend. Another weekend of us being together which i love with the hand gesture yes the hand gesture which looks really crazy over facetime because i'm trying to move my hand as fast as possible but um yeah and then i got to have um former students judging for me as well which was delightful um, yeah, it was for, fun for me too yeah <laughs> i got to haze them a little bit yep which i love i let anyone haze my kids they all need to be broken in um but yeah, it was a lot of schools first tournament out, especially for like the Fox River Valley area. It was the first tournament of the year up there. So it was just nice to see all sorts of people for the first time. The Wapaka. Agreed. Who did you oh. see this week for the first time? Good. Um, Mark from Wapaka. Um, seeing the Trosses who are actually judging for me. Um, who else did we see for the first time this weekend? I don't really know. I mean, those are my main like friends. <laughs> Uh, I saw Rebecca oh, from Appleton Paul. West. Oh yeah, Rebecca, and then Paul and Carter Paul from, from Apple East. East. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, it was it was kind of a totally different crowd all the way up there. Yeah, 
Which is good. But I also did get to see um, Shelly Utke, a.k.a. Michelle Utek, who yep. brought her team up to Oshkosh after hosting last week. Um, and can we do a sidebar real quick and talk about uh, the email that she sent out? Did you see this? No. Okay. Oh, yeah, because Ben does your Speechwire stuff, right? Yeah. So... Through Speechwire, she sent out a follow-up email to the coaches who attended the tournament. Um, I have not taken myself off that Sheboygan North account yet, so I do still see those emails, um, which it's great for me because I get all the updates. Uh, yeah. But it, uh, she was addressing some judging concerns that happened at Port Washington, and oh. it was so well done and very... Um, like. I could tell she was probably holding herself back because when you're in a coach mode and you're like mama coach mode, you and you your kids get bad comments and critiques. You like she was very measured and um, she used specific three specific examples that her kids got on their own critiques. So it was like, here's a problem. I want to address it. Here's some specific examples. And, you know, please, everybody talk about this with your judges. Yeah. Which clearly Ben Kroll made a point of talking to you about it. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, Ben. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> as a listener of this podcast, he, Small shade. he just he just heard. Yeah, he just got a little bit of shade thrown at just him. a tiny bit. Um, like but OK, so over. then so then let's use this opportunity to to have that conversation, because I think it is one that's important to have like first week of competition of the year. We're already seeing judges who are saying discouraging things to teenagers. Let's remember everybody. Rule number one. Rule number one. Be, be nice, nice to, to kids. kids. That's what we're here for is to be nice to them. Yes. So kudos to Michelle Utek for handling that. I thought very well. And it was nice to get to actually like talk to her a little bit this week because she wasn't yeah. running a tournament. So yeah. shout out to her. Um, and she did uh, text me after the award ceremony that apparently Michelle Utech is catching on with her kids. So sorry, not sorry. We never apologize. <laughs> no, I love tiny little inside jokes that make no sense to anybody else. Oh yeah. We, we just did I one more for this. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna stay. I'm gonna stay. I'm gonna stay. Her, I'm stay her. which anyway. it really should be an inside joke for anybody who was at that nationals. But it's true. But does anybody not. else hold on to nuggets like that? No, just no. us. No, just us. I'm gonna stay. I'm gonna stay. I'm gonna stay. Her. Um. So. Uh. So yes. Uh. Now, Lori, is that? Do you, do you confirm that that's her name? Yes. Okay. Yes. Good. I I couldn't. When we talked about it at the tournament, I was like, I think that's what she said her name was. I couldn't remember. I'm so glad you confirmed that. So yes. welcome, Lori, into the fold. Good job hosting your first tournament. I yes. had a lovely time. Yes. Um, thank you for letting us use your microwave. Yes. And yes. And thank you for that. Um, because Melissa is a very rude vegan um, who requires special dietary items. Um I'm trying to think of like notable things from the tournament that are worth talking about. The only thing I really have, like I have a bone to pick with, um, or I did really was having to judge a final round of play acting when there were only five play actings in the whole day. I was I so, so certain I wouldn't have to judge a final round because there was only one section and there were five of them. I was so certain. And then we ended up doing a final round of three. That being said, having seen the three and seeing how evenly matched they were, it is entirely possible that all three of those teams had the exact same scores throughout the day. Yeah. Because it really was like, it could have I been watched, any one of them in first place. Yeah. I watched play acting prelims. And so I was really excited to like talk to you about it. But then when I got out of my final round, you had already bounced. Yeah. Okay. So I'm taking advantage of the fact that I don't have a team and I don't have to be on a bus and I was you done. You could have stayed for friendship. Girl, why would I do that? I wanted to talk to you about it. Well, we can talk about it now. I knew I'd be talking to you this very next day. <sighs> no, it's fine. It's fine. 
It's fine, really. It's okay. It's, it's totally it's cool. It's chill. It's, uh, it's I mean, whatever. we literally, we literally like live chatted RuPaul's Drag Race last night. So don't, <laughs> don't act <laughs> like, like I bounced on you and then you didn't hear from me for a month. I know. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. No. Um, so I will happily talk more specific play acting critiques with you off mic because that's not what we're here to do. No. Um, that's what I was there to do yesterday was judge kids and give critiques, but that's yeah. not what we're here to do. Um, so like I said, that was really the one notable thing that I was like so certain I wasn't going to have a final round. And then I did, yeah. but then it happened and I was like, okay, I, yeah, I could see how these, these kids could have the exact same scores because they were just so evenly yeah. matched. So, so yeah, um, you got to judge like what ended up being, one thing all day is that um i judged the first round of play acting and then my round two got taken away from me and then i had third round already off so i just sat around for a lot of hours and then i watched the group i judged the group and terp final oh you did oh good i did okay excellent that could be fun i mean it can be fun i really here's my thing about group and terp is that I have I have a very specific preference in group and terp like I really do and part of that comes from me being a rebel and always loving people are pushing the boundaries of a category and so when people are just what I would call floating where they're just like doing all the same things that have always worked for everyone and they're not doing anything in their performance that pushes any boundaries and doesn't show anything new. I find that really boring and I will use it as a, as a method to, to break up performances where they're pretty like evenly matched, but another group will be doing something more interesting. And I'll say, okay, the group that's more interesting, I want to reward that. I'm going to give you the one versus the two. And I learned yesterday that the other judges in my group and Terp did not agree with that. They liked the no. stuff that was the same, which is fine. I really, um, cause the best thing I saw yesterday was the, the group that I gave the group and Terp, my, my one, two, which happens to be, uh, the girls from Sheboygan North. Uh, the piece that they're doing oh, this good. year is so interesting. They're doing really cool stuff with using their binders for very particular sound effects. And the way that they cut their selection is really good. And the way that they use platform movement to not only move the piece forward, but set the actual scene of the uh, piece up is just so cool. Like very rarely are people doing group interps that are necessarily stories that have settings, but this entire piece takes place in a particular like building and it's sort of like spooky, but they, they build the actual environment within their platform movement. And so you are there with them. And I just thought that was so cool. And so I gave them my one because they're doing very cool, interesting things. I just like punch something off, off to the (laughs) side over here. Um, So yeah, I just, the thing for me with group interpret is that there are some people who just like to do the same things and the things that are expected, but I'm always going to reward the people who are trying something different. They will be so happy to hear that. I hope they listen to this because they they found me at the tournament yesterday and I've worked with these girls for the last two years and did a lot of their blocking with them. And they were so proud to come and tell me that they did all their own blocking themselves this year and that they, they thought it was good and that they were excited about it. So I'm so excited. And I'm also really excited to hear that they're using some of the stuff that we've used in the past that they're like repurposing it and making it their own and like that's because that's what it's supposed to be right and they're Mm -hmm. seniors now so like by this stage they should be doing exactly what they did which is like taking what we've worked on together in the past and like applying it to something new and different and they've always cut their own piece and I think they've always done a good job of cutting their own piece so I'm so happy to hear that yay yeah Good for those girls. What was the best thing you saw yesterday? I'm going to say the best thing I saw yesterday was in my uh, duo prelim. Um, I I did not uh, take note of the the gals' names, um, but they're doing a piece called Zinc, the Myth, the Legend, the Zebra, which um, is fun and upbeat. It's also a little bit sad, 
And the story, like several of the duos I saw yesterday, the story bounced between reality and uh, some like some fantastical story element. Like there were three of them that did that. This is the one that did it the best. Even the fantasy elements felt rooted and they felt like they supported the story that was happening IRL. Um, And it was also, it was clean and polished and the two people who were doing it were evenly matched uh, duo interpreters and um, clean movement and interesting movement. And so I would say uh, that, that duo doing uh, Zinc, the myth, the legend, the zebra, which I know sounds like a crazy title, um, but it's it's good. It's it's a, a apparently based off an actual child's life and writings. Um, a, oh, a child, a child you. who, yes, a child who unfortunately was diagnosed with leukemia. So, it's part of like her coping mechanism to like create this story of this other world. And there was also some really good accent work in it, which. It's tough. It's tough to find in in teenage in teenagers, especially teenagers from Wisconsin. Yeah, because the first step in learning the first step in learning any accent in Wisconsin is getting rid of your Wisconsin accent and then taking on somebody else's. And they did a really nice job. So I'm going to say they were the best thing I saw this week. Good. Yeah. Also in Wisconsin, it's hard because you're not, ex- there are a lot of people who are not exposed to very many accents. And if you're not exposed to them, it's hard to have like something to build from if you don't know necessarily what it is. Melissa, so, are you, are you implying that Wisconsin is not a hot destination for international visitors? We are not exactly a racial melting pot. No. I Well, I guess I can cross the visitors bureau off our list of potential sponsors hey <laughs> oh so uh congratulations to everybody who competed at oshkosh north all the teams that were there um it was fun to see a bunch of people and now it re- it's really starting to feel like the season is kicking off and, and yeah that's fun so yeah yeah, yeah we're yeah. in the swing of it now we are so since we're in the swing of it Let's start our actual uh, plan for the season, shall we? Uh, as we as we revealed last week, our plan for this season is to go category by category uh, through the WFCA categories that uh, we are closest to and know most about and to kind of break down um, all the elements of those categories. And so... Um, I did create a little bit of an outline for us to talk about these so that there's some structure and we kind of hit some of the same notes every yeah. week as we talk about things. So, ooh, excellent yawn. Thank see, I'm you. so glad I can see you. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been able to see mm-hmm. how well structured that yawn was. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't know how bored you were as I'm talking. It's not that um, I'm bored. It's just that I haven't, I had coffee really early this morning and I already finished my tea and you know, I can't, I'm really bad at drinking on mic because I'm noisy. And so. You've done well so far. Thank you. I was going to, I was going to change out of my water bottle into a cup. So I wouldn't have to worry about the plastic. So I just had to pick up my water bottle in a very specific way. No, it's, it's going, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen, I've seen Melissa take several drinks of water and you haven't heard it. She's, she's getting, she's really. This mic technique is on point. I'm learning. Um, It's only been how many years? (laughs) Yeah. So I thought, uh, so we're going to get started with really three categories in the WFCA, but they're like, they're all like to do three separate episodes on these would have been silly. So we are starting with prose, poetry, and then the category in Wisconsin that combines the two oil. Yes. Oral interpretation of literature, Mm -hmm. the acronym oil. Um, So I would love to hear your definition of prose and then I can do the definition of poetry. Okay. Um, Well, it just so happens that in preparation for this, I pulled up what the WFCA has definitions of those categories as. So uh, the the WFCA defines uh, prose as a selection from prose literature, including short stories, cuttings from novels, monologues, soliloquies, essays, or other nonfiction work centering on a specific theme or emotion to be interpreted. This is an interpretive category, not an acting category. Uh, 
for me, uh, prose is an eight minute presentation of a piece of literature centered, uh, a single piece of literature centered around a uh, singular uh, emotion and or theme. Yeah. And poetry is much the same which is why we're talking about it in the same context, except yeah. it's a poem or a collection of poems, um, preferably a collection of poems that center around a theme and work well together. And then all of the same verbiage about being an interp category stays the same. Yeah. And if you want to hear us talk about the difference between interp and acting, that episode already exists in our backlogs. We're not going to try to get too much into it when we're talking about this. Please go back and listen to that episode where we basically talk about it for, I think, and it ended up being something like almost an hour. So <laughs> go back and check that out. We'll probably touch on it a little bit in this, but to hear us yeah. talk about it in-depthly, Sp- that episode exists in the backlogs. Sp- spoiler alert, I'm going to talk about it. Um, <laughs> and, then, and then oil, oral interpretation of literature for us, is poetry and prose. It is a 10-minute presentation instead of an 8-minute presentation. And what we mm-hmm. do here in Wisconsin is you will do one round of prose and then the next round you will perform your poetry. And so everyone in the round is doing the same thing and you, but you alternate throughout the day. So yeah. uh, in our typical three round structure, you will do prose, poetry, prose or poetry, prose, poetry. And then the final round will be whichever one you've only done once. Yeah. So that that again is why we're rolling this up into one episode rather than trying to address all three of these separately because really the only thing about oil that's different is it's a little bit longer yep so um we could get into why we think there's an oil when we already have prose and poetry but i mean mostly because it's a nationals category sure so true so so that's the definition of those. Um, I would love to know your personal experience with these categories. Um, did you ever perform in any of these three? Um, yeah. So I've talked about it on the podcast before, but I was a speech kid my first three years of forensics. And then my senior year, I was like, I want to do something different. And so I became an interpreter and I did oil. I did a prose and a poetry and then transitioned them into oil for national qualifiers slash state i think i did oil at state too so yeah yeah, i have i have a little experience only only a year's worth and oil is one of my favorite categories to coach and i feel like it's a category that uh ben and i have made one of our like strength categories at south did you do oil or did you only ever do specifically just acting um i don't think i ever did oil i know i did prose i think my sophomore or junior year. Um, it was right when double entering was becoming in vogue. Ooh. I'm, I'm, I know. Imagine that I did forensics when there were only single entry tournaments. And then every once in a while they do a double entry one. And I was like, I would like to expand beyond that. Like you, I did speech. I did speech mm-hmm. for three of my four years. Um, and so I, I wanted to just try something different. And so I did a tournament or two of pros. Okay. Um, but do you remember what your side, piece was? Um, I remember it was something from Stephen King that my coach gave me. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I don't, I do not remember specifically what it was about. Um, but on the coaching side, um, I guess my first experience coaching oil was my senior year. And I remember working with Vicki Gottsacker in the hotel room the day before state. And I forget if it was just like, you know, at that point in Sheboygan North's history, like we had done really well the year before at state. And so there was Mm -hmm. definitely some strategy in like where we were putting people and in what categories and we were trying to spread the talent out. So I forget if like Vicky just had been doing prose or poetry and then like got thrust into oil for state because they wanted her her high scores in that, yeah, in that round, instead of like trying to compete against the three other people doing pros or Um, or if she had to change a piece, something happened where like she hadn't really done this particular performance often or before. And so it was really like working with her and it was brand new. Um, and I think it's fair to say nobody really had high expectations, but she was there to go get like higher scores. So like, make mm-hmm. sure you go out and get some twos and threes. And that way it keeps our average up. 
well, she ends up winning the thing. So I just like, I remember that as like my first instance of coaching oil is working with a fellow student in that capacity. And then a few years later, when I came back as a coach, I was working with Katie Henderson as a contestant, very similar situation where she was in a group in Terp all year and her partners couldn't go to state. So she was doing oil for the first time at state and I worked with her the night before and she was in the final round at state. So I have a little bit of coaching cred when it comes to coaching and Terp, just a little bit. Um, I haven't had a ton of kids do it since I was the head coach at North. Uh, but those mm-hmm. who have, um, have seen, I would, I would say mild success. I haven't had like, yeah, I haven't had state champions in oil. Yeah. I, I think we've, I've had kids break to finals at state. I don't remember their name specifically. And I've had a kid break at national at NCR. Yeah. At NCFLs in oil. Um, but yeah, it's never, it's not, it's not our category. It's one yeah. we're, we're pretty good at, but it's not like one of those things, but I, I really enjoy oil. Um, and I, and I know that there are plenty of people in the WFCA, uh, who sort of stick their nose up at prose and poetry. Uh, but for me, prose and poetry are the, are a great way to introduce kids to forensics being a little bit different. Like kids understand what a speech is and they understand what acting is, but like interp can be hard to understand because you're asking them to stand up there with a binder and emote in a way that like doesn't cross a line into acting as some people believe. And, but I feel like it's a really great way to get a kid into forensics. And a lot of people will, when they first get a kid on a team who doesn't know what to do, they'll sort of just hand them prose or poetry and say, go forth. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so some people don't like it, but I feel like, well, because everybody knows how to read out loud. It's easy. And this is, this is one of our questions for later, but we may as well talk about now. Like what are some of the myths about this category? That I think I think, I think that's the biggest myth is that it's like, it's easy or that it's, yeah, I don't want to say that it's not a a good category for beginners because it still is. You learn a lot from doing it, but it's not easy. So I would if say you, that's, if you that's don't, if you come into prose or poetry and you don't understand forensics, it is not going to be easy to find success there. Prose and poetry are a great place, are, are an easy place to figure out how forensics works and what interp is like, but it's not an easy place to have success because what it's because the category is so broad, it has it's the category with the broadest definition of what qualifies as prose or poetry, like piecewise. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you can do you can do fiction and nonfiction. You can do um, short stories and and soliloquies and monologues. Like there's so much that fits in there. So everyone's tastes going in as a judge are different. Everyone's tastes as a student going in are different. It, it's, there are humorous pieces. There are, are dramatic pieces. There are pieces that are all in the middle. There are pieces that are informative. Like because mm-hmm. it is so broad, that's one of the things that makes it difficult. And it's the same in poetry because poetry, so many things qualify as poetry. So because right. and there are so the many genres, pre- preconceived notions of what poetry yeah, is exactly so because both of the genres are so expansive it makes it difficult to set yourself up for success if you don't necessarily understand how to get there you yeah, can't so sort of walk in and be good at it let's talk about the the elements of a successful performance in these categories um so like you've touched on it already but choosing a piece can be very difficult when you're working with a kid what is your advice to them if they're going into any of these categories, if they need to pick a prose or a poetry piece, what's your advice on choosing that piece? Um, for me, we'll, we'll start with prose because it's the, the largest category for our association. For me, a good prose piece is a piece that tells a complete story in eight minutes that, that you have set up a scene that, that the audience can follow you through within eight minutes. And that you are giving them something to care about in those eight minutes. I don't necessarily mean that it has to be something like they have to like care intensely and has to like move them physically. They just have to want to listen to you for eight minutes. And and so you want to pick things that, you know, people care about 
and want to hear about for eight minutes because it's not some people are picking proses based off of things that they enjoy, which is great. And forensics should be something that brings you joy. But you also, if you're looking for success, it has to be something that you are enjoying and your audience is enjoying. Right. And I think that, that sometimes kids are coming in and they're bringing like their favorite book about something that they really care about, something sort of like a niche area of like young adult literature. And it can be really hard for your audience to lean into that universe with you. So I, I tend to believe that some of the best prose are short stories or, or story like smaller stories that happen within larger novels. Um, And yeah, that's for me, that's the first place to start is making sure that the, the, you are telling a story within eight minutes and it's something that, you know, the audience can latch on to. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's better than caring is that they can latch on to it. Yeah, that you can. I mean, we're going to, I'm sure, use this word a lot in these conversations, but you have to engage your audience. Yeah. Like that's what makes a good performance, no matter what the category is, your audience needs to be engaged. And so, as we have both had students do, you know, they show up and, you know, I want to do this, my favorite section of Lord of the Rings, or I want to do my favorite chapter from Harry Potter. And it's like, okay. I was like, but. They're not self-contained stories. Sometimes you can get away with it if the story is such a part of the zeitgeist that everybody knows the story. And so you doing just this scene from the book works because everybody's familiar with it. Uh, But there are very, very few stories that are that are like that. Um, For me, it's very helpful, though, to have a kid bring me that and be like, oh, now I see what you're into. Yeah. Let me show you this <laughs> that yep. might be a better fit. And yeah, absolutely. When it comes to prose, like my favorite source of prose pieces is short story collections. Um, and I also, I love a good uh, collection of essays from a memoir. Yes. Um, as well. I think those can be really successful prose pieces as well. I've never actually I had a student try to do a monologue or a soliloquy in prose. Never tried it. Um, I- I think I think I've done a soliloquy. I've never done a short monologue because they can be touchy rules wise for some people because they'll say mm-hmm. like like where it qualifies. But I think I think I've done a soliloquy. Well, the student chose to do a soliloquy. Yeah. And yeah. it's worth mentioning at this point, too, in Wisconsin, in both prose and poetry, you are allowed to do your own original work. So if you happen to have a student who's a really talented writer or poet, this is an opportunity for them to present their original work. Um, Yes. I I mean, being totally forthright, I think those students tend not to be as successful because they're going up against professional writers. (laughs) Um, But uh, if, if you have a student who's looking for that way to be able to share their work with the world, this can be a way for them to do that. Um, I would just manage their expectations as to whether or not they want to be successful on a competitive level versus just enjoying the opportunity to share their work. Yeah. And also you yourself can determine um, if they're like asked to read their work, obviously. Um, and they're, I mean, I, I have heard really good like self authored poetry before specifically. I don't think I've ever heard prose that like jumped out at me, but I've, I've definitely I've had heard it. self-authored pro or self-authored poetry where I was like, dang. Yeah. Um, so don't, don't, don't necessarily shy away from it. I don't want to like discourage coaches from allowing students to do it, but it might take a little bit more, more hands-on um, work. Uh, but it could be nice. Cause you could, you can, you can edit it yourself and you can add things and you might be able to help, them turn their own stuff into something that works better for forensics. So uh, what do you think makes successful poetry performances? For me, it has to be a program. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, I truly like there. I know that there are poetry pieces that exist that are, that fill that are long enough to be cut down to eight minutes or fill a whole eight minutes. But for me, always the best poetry pieces are, poetry programs that 
have different there are different genres of poem around a different theme so you can change up the pacing of it because a lot of poetry is written to be sort of one note and it can detract from performance if a student gets into like an unfortunate rhythm i don't know mm-hmm. what other way to word that other than like because i think you i think people understand when i say when like when a student gets into the wrong kind of rhythm where right. they're not necessarily they're not crescendoing to anything they've just brought you up to a level and you have to follow along with it for eight minutes and yes. they're not you're not taking any sort of you're not taking any fun path so for me it's almost always going to be a, a program and I, I i have student like we have pieces in our repertoire that are single poems but if you're going to do a single poem it has to build and crescendo to be successful and i feel like a yeah. very few poems successfully do that when they are spoken aloud Yeah, for me, working with students on poetry is really just it's a lesson in cadence because cadence is one of the things that's necessary for it to be a poem. Really, I mean, spoken word poetry obviously stretches that the most free form poetry stretches that a lot as well. Um, But they do. They have they have a cadence. They have a rhythm. um, And the pitfall is falling into a repetitive rhythm. Yeah. But. No, no successful song in the history of the world keeps the beat at the exact same tempo for the whole thing. Like variety is the spice of life, no matter where you are. And in poetry, for me, like I said, it's a lesson in cadence. It's finding that rhythm, using it appropriately, doing exactly what you said, which is building, slowing down, using silence, playing with with the rhythm. More so than letting the rhythm be the piece. So also just while we're talking about poetry, hey guys, slam poetry is not spoken like all spoken word poetry, like all slam poetry is spoken word, but not all spoken word poetry is slam. So can we just stop referring to all slam po- or all spoken word poetry as slam? Like I really get tired when judges are like, I don't really like slam poetry. And it's like there's nothing there's nothing slam about this. This is just originally right. spoken word. Like slam poetry is sort of like more off the cuff. It's more improv and impromptu mm-hmm. um, and also tends to be cutting. Whereas just be a, a poem written to be spoken aloud, to be spoken word is not always slam poetry. I just wanted to slip that in there. All right. Good for I you. Can. Yeah. This do is, it, do this it. is our podcast. Uh-uh. I'm going to take, I'm going to take a moment because I'm Good. sick of reading that. <laughs> I, we talked about this before. I, I really we I seek out spoken word poetry specifically because it is written for how it sounds coming out of the mouth and off of the tongue. And so it is it already is sets up students for success to be there already. So uh, I do a lot of spoken word. And not not all poems are written or not all poems are are, are alike. Like like you said, like spoken word poetry is written to be spoken aloud. Some poems were not written to be spoken aloud. In fact, uh-uh. the very structure of them on the page is part of the art form. And sometimes mm-hmm. they just don't translate into being read yeah. aloud or they're not nearly as powerful when they're read aloud as they are read from the page. So don't try to make poetry something it's not would be another thing I would tell people who are choosing yeah. a poetry piece. Um, yes. What are when you're practicing with kids in prose and poetry? What are some techniques you have found to be helpful? Ooh, um, well, we do a lot of spoken word poetry, and so I will have a student if if I know that there's a video that exists, I will ask them to watch it. Not because I want them to copy the performance, but I want them to understand artistic intent. Mm-hmm. Um, in the same way that like if there is a movie adaptation of something, I'll I'll have a kid watch that. Or if there's a recording of a, from a moment in a play, um, I'll have them watch it because artistic intent is very like just being someone from the theater. It's important to me. Uh, And someone who has done like has written her own spoken word poetry and stuff. (laughs) Uh, She will not let you read it. Don't even ask. Don't ask. Uh, but letting them hear how it sounds and how, like the pacing that it can sound good in doesn't mean that it will. That's how it can translate to forensics, because some spoken word poetry is very, very quick and very, very fast. And that doesn't translate to forensics well. Uh, but then also 
like having students break down their poetry and sort of taking it, like picking just a stanza one day and like, let's play around with this stanza and let's figure out what we think the best pacing for this is. Uh, And also like, because I am who I am figuring out where can we potentially work in some binder tech here Mm -hmm. uh, to make it more interesting. Is there a moment in the piece that we feel we might be on a downbeat and we need to bring something more interesting into it. Let's figure out what we can do with the binder. And, and prose is just so hard because of how many different genres you can do. Uh, I feel like it really depends on the piece, but uh, sort of just making sure that they actually care about what they're doing. Cause I feel yeah. like so often kids in prose don't care at all. <laughs> So I'm going to, I want to respond to your poetry thing. And then I want to talk about prose for a little bit. Um, First of all, I totally agree. Kids who are doing spoken word poetry need to watch and listen to a lot of spoken word poetry. You need, you need to understand the cadence of what it is so that you can perform it correctly. But exactly like you said, it does not mean mimic a performance. We talked about that for a whole episode last year, copying a performance almost never works. So don't do it. Um, it makes me think of Sean from last year who had a pretty successful poetry piece. Um, he, he brought, he did a program of poetry. It was two spoken word poems around a theme. And for us, the issue was they were very similar in how they were delivered by the original artist. And so to get up and do two poems that sound exactly alike, boring, So don't be afraid, uh, as I encourage Sean to do, to watch how the original artist does it, but find your own way. Yeah. You know, like. Because it's an artistic intent versus performer interpretation. Correct. And not all writers are great performers. So if we all just did our prose pieces by finding an author, like a YouTube video of an author doing a reading of their own piece. It'd be terrible. It'd be so like, boring. Like some people are really great at writing, but they're not actors. And that's the second thing I'm going to talk about with prose, which is despite what the WFCA rules say, despite what so many people talk about, reading poetry and prose aloud is acting. It's not getting on a stage. It's not wearing costumes. It's not adding a lot of a physical movement. You're not creating a setting. Um, you know, using the space around you as we do in the solo acting categories. Um, But embodying the voice of the writer and engaging an audience, that's still acting. And the thing I use, do the most with, with my students who are in all interp categories, but especially prose and poetry is we talk about who the writer is, what's their perspective. If they're writing from their own perspective, like um, often spoken word poets do, or uh, you know, people who've written a memoir do, like who is that person? Why do they have um, you know, this point of view that they have? What would they have been feeling as they're telling this story from their own life? And then try to adopt some of that feeling and emote. Like that, it's all still acting, guys, even if we're not yeah we're gonna get into this much deeper but it's still acting um and if they're not writing from their own perspective if they're writing from a character's perspective even more so like who is this character where are they set in time and place like are they writing about someone they love you can't not act like you love the person they're writing about if they're in a scary situation you can't not act like you're scared or it would be boring um, I think that when judges write when they're like judging interp and they say oh this is too acting this is too acty that is a very lazy way of trying to tell a student they're being over the top or they're laying it on too thick very rare like if a student is doing a great job in interpretation they act in it, they it, just are it but should if they're, if they're if they're over the top and it's too thick and it's too much or like they're they're snapping in place and that sort of thing like then you when they then find a more specific way to say that don't tell them that they're being too acty tell them they're being over the top yeah that their energy levels aren't correct or something like very rarely is it actually that it's too 
it's never that it's too acty. It's just a, when they say it's acting and it's a it's a lazy judge critique. Right. Because what you want is you want it to feel authentic. You know, like you didn't write this most of the time in these in two of these categories, you can present original work. But even if you if you're not the the person who wrote it, you want to feel like the person who did. You want to feel like you're listening to somebody telling you a story that they care about and believe in. And that again, like that's all acting. It's all acting. And it's the ones who don't do it. And sometimes it is hard to articulate why this doesn't feel good. It's because it doesn't feel sincere. Um, and the strange thing about what we do is oftentimes in order for something to feel sincere, you have to fake it. Yep. So, so that's when working with kids a lot, when it comes to, uh, to prepping for prose and poetry, it's a lot of character development. And that's, mm-hmm. we go through the same process. I would go through the same questions. Um, that I would go through if I was working with a student on preparing a monologue or a solo series piece, or just to prepare to play a character on stage. It's the same process. You got to understand the world and the background and the motivations of the person talking. Otherwise it's going to sound boring. So, and then those are the pieces that people think of, not the good ones. They think of the ones where it's just someone reading something aloud when they're like, oh, I don't really like judging prose. It's like, but prose can be great. Pros, yeah. Like all it things. It's so like, I don't, like, I don't like judging bad prose. I don't like judging bad poetry, but I love it when it's great. Mm-hmm. I love all of these categories when they're great. See, for me, poetry is kind of like pizza. Even bad poetry is still, is still poetry for me. Yeah. Yeah. But um, um, let's talk about some like amazing prose or poetry oil that we have seen that are really great examples of to us what may like what makes a really great those really great memorable prose or poetry slash oil performances. Because this is something that you brought up and I have to think of. So I'm going to let you go first. Oh, no. Because <laughs> um, the only one I can think I, of is my own student. And that seems that seems. Why boring. is that bad? that's not bad that's great um you know i i was lucky enough at nsda to judge a prose final round four or five years ago and Mm -hmm. for me it's one of the things that helped form my opinions about coaching it moving forward because again it felt without all of the you know the movement that we would associate with acting it felt like they were acting and so, um, and, and not just in their voice, in their facial expressions, in their posture, how they held themselves. Um, and, and that was all very important. And so I would say, you know, getting to see that final round of a supplementary category at uh, nationals a few years ago is some of the best pros I have seen. Um, you know, there were funny pieces and those were young people who knew how to tell a joke, how to let a joke land, how to be humorous. There were serious pieces where they were able to, um, imbue the performance with enough heart and, uh, thoughtfulness that it was affecting to the audience. Um, so that was some, some really great prose and poetry, or uh, some prose at that point in time. I'm trying to think of like the best poetry performance I've ever seen. And the reality is I haven't judged a lot of poetry. I haven't That's judged. Um, I do recall around from a couple years ago. And I know I talked about this on the podcast at the time, you know, there was a girl just doing Beyonce songs as poetry. And as much as like the description of that sounds like it wouldn't work. <laughs> She was a really good performer and she performed the hell out of those Beyonce songs in a style that was appropriate for poetry. And so I guess I would say that's one of the the better poetry performances I've ever seen, not only because it was really good in and of itself, but it subverted my expectations and it made me rethink uh, a long held position that it's not worth doing songs as poetry. How about you? Well, 
former student and now good friend Chris Harmelink uh, came to our team as a freshman and brought this novel that she had loved and cut, had we cut it into a prose piece. And she ended up winning state as a freshman in prose. And it, she was just so good. She was just so good. Mm-hmm. Very and talented. continued to be continued to be amazing in prose and poetry like interp was her thing she was also great at speech and she did acting and she basically was a triple threat but interp was always her her wheelhouse and she just 100% understood how to exist in the box that we have made interp while still sort of pushing on the walls mm-hmm. she was very good at that uh, and she was also always willing down willing and down to try different kinds of poetry styles uh, not just spoken word so she's just one of the greatest like inter performers i've ever seen like this is my 15th year in the forensics world 11th year coaching like she just still goes down as one of the best interpreters i've ever had the pleasure of working with or just watching i still uh, viscerally remember her performance of wit in solo serious like it's one of those oh, ones you. that just comes to mind as like a, a student being able to embody a character that they shouldn't be able to do so well she was yeah she was like supernaturally good at at acting and interp. Um, it's a shame yeah. she's so unfortunate looking. I know, right? Mm-hmm. Not a JK, s- nearly six foot gorgeous. tall red haired goddess. Ugh. And it's just like also kind and like wonderful and like is my <sighs> hippie sister. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to think of other like more notable. Cause yeah, I haven't, I haven't judged a ton of prose and poetry mm-hmm. just because I always have students in it. Uh, and it's not, yeah, I haven't, I can't like think of like just one that's not my own. Well, that's okay. That's okay. Now, you know, the questions coming for future episodes. Yeah. Now yeah. I'll have to know, but I, yeah. I think that the, the, the performances that are memorable are the ones that are people who are like that Beyonce one where people are stepping into the boundaries of what prose and poetry are and then are trying to gently guide you outside of those lines. Yeah. And subverting your expectations. And that being said, that's something that you and I enjoy. And we fully know that there are judges out there who don't like that. And that's an opinion that is valid. And people who who do that have to know that like they're going to run into judges like us who love it. And they're going to run into judges who aren't like us, who might ding them for trying to step out, step outside the box a little bit. But so, but but this is the nature of what we do. It's subjective. You're going to run into people who like it. You're going to run into people who don't. Um, I would like to think that more often than not, you're going to run into people who appreciate what you've done rather than those who try to penalize you for not being exactly what they think the category should be. I hope that's that's what, I hope that's what kids see. I hope that's what you and I are doing with this podcast is creating more people who learn to appreciate stuff that's outside the box versus get mad about it. Yeah. So don't get mad, appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, with that, uh, that is our summary of prose, poetry, and oral interpretation of literature. Um, oil. Oil. Um, oil. Uh, it is different. I'm just going to go ahead and say it's different than those people who might be listening from outside Wisconsin. It is different than POI. It is different than a program of oral interpretation, which we will talk about in a future episode. Um, so hold your breath. It is not that. <gasps> Okay, breathe, girl. <laughs> breathe. Um and we will we will talk about that in the future. Um I want feedback. What did we not yes. talk about? Like tell us your best performances that you've seen of these. Um I want to know how you coach really successful prose poetry and oil pieces, how you find really great prose poetry and oil pieces. Uh let's get a conversation going and um if you guys give us some really good tips, we will happily share them with our forensics faces audience. Well, thanks for listening. Um, 
Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, we're going to wrap it up and let you get back to your day. And we're going to get back to our day, which includes eating lunch. I am excited to eat some food. And I'm just going to eat more cake. And um, I'm going to be jealous that Melissa's eating cake. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Forensic Spaces is proudly produced in Wisconsin, the birthplace of the National Forensics League. Our theme song was written and performed by J.J. Hamister. If you're a fan of Forensic Spaces, the best way to support the podcast is to leave a five-star rating and review on iTunes. You can get in touch with Melissa and me by emailing listen at ForensicSpaces.com. You can also find links to all our social media accounts and online merch store by visiting ForensicSpaces.com. I'm Kurt. And I'm Melissa, encouraging you to listen think, and speak, preferably in that order. Also, if my cat wakes up and starts screaming, I'm so sorry. Um, I tried to tire him out and now he's sleeping and hopefully that works because he has been ridiculous the last uh, 20 hours. What does a cat scream sound like? Literally. No. Yeah. Don't ever do that again. (laughs) It's great.